0: So, we totally just, like, Matt lost power, and for a second, we thought that we lost the entire first chunk of the podcast. That was one of the scarier things to happen this week, but hey, that's what happens when you're recording during a thunderstorm, I guess. (laughs) But, thank God, we were able to get it back, and we're back up and running, and... I have no idea what I was in the middle of saying. (laughs) So, hey, welcome to Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers who talk about movies as if our opinions matter. And today, We will catch up on what we've been watching, we will discuss the film Cherry in an interesting way, and we'll break down the way we rate our movies. So without further ado, and ignoring that there is rain pouring around us, let's run that back. So to start off, I was thinking, man, it has been so long since we last recorded that four episodes have come out. (laughs) of falcon and the winter soldier Mm -hmm. and out out of six so two-thirds of the show has transpired and we've talked about it zero exactly we have not said anything about it Baron zero (laughs) i'm almost more interested in finding out what you think about falcon and winter soldier than even the movie that we're talking about today
1: so i thought you were gonna say more interested in finding out my opinion on baron zemo's dance moves
0: Oh, yes, yes, that is a good, that is one thing I could have said, but alas, I didn't. So (laughs) (laughs) what are you thinking of this show? Um, I mean, reading about it,
1: uh, going into it, they said, hey, it's not going to be like WandaVision was. WandaVision was er very episodic. This was described more as a six hour movie broken up into pieces. And that's very much what it is. And it's awesome. Really? Okay. Um, I think I enjoyed I think I enjoyed WandaVision a little bit more just because it is it was a little bit more conceptual, a little bit more out there. Yeah. It lent itself to more um like fan theories and, and one, oh what's gonna happen where Falcon the Winter Soldier is a little bit more straightforward. Um, traditional storytelling, traditional Marvel, you know, MCU stuff. But that being
0: said, traditional mcu is
1: awesome (laughs) it's and it works really well
0: yeah i i will say i've been kind of a little bit bored by it in a way like i i keep kind of wishing more would happen but i understand what you mean like going with the like traditional marvel the thing that's bothering me in most of the episodes is the way they like (laughs) over explain everything (laughs) because they're trying to get you to remember things that you would just remember if you've watched the marvel movies in a a general sense i mean but like as an example they at one point falcon and winter soldier were talking about uh sharon carter before is it sharon carter yeah it sounds so much like aaron carter (laughs) like aaron's party you mean sharon that's a throwback (laughs) come get it um that was
1: the the paint the sale of all the illegal paintings and stuff with sharon's party
0: oh god but before they like met up with her they were like remember the last time we tried to steal that shield and it cost sharon her her job and her safety and it got us on the run for two years or whatever and then i think it's in that same episode but if not it's the next one sharon shows up and they're like Sharon we need your help and she's like remember the last time I helped you and got you the shield and it got and I'm just like okay you are not explaining this to us a second time <laughs> and and so that's happened like a couple times really the most recent episode the the fourth episode I think was the most interesting to me but it still felt pretty like I know where this is going kind of thing and Sam Sam's character was more interesting in this fourth one. i just I was more interested in the first episode when it was them separate, and you were seeing how they were living their lives like now once they got together, it wasn't as interesting to me. Oh, I got you during the fight sequence where Sharon uh
1: beat up all those like goons by the uh what do they call like yes. st- sh- shipping
0: containers storage containers, yeah, yeah yeah, you think any of those goons were named Shack. Or any of them named Shaq. Yeah. Why is that, Matt?
1: So uh, after she was done, Sharon Carter could tell us how she beat Shaq.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the more we say it, the more I am sure her name cannot be Sharon Carter. <laughs> but I <laughs> I think it is. No, it is. Could you imagine them coming out and they just look around and they're like, whoa, and she's like, that's how I beat Shaq. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'd be like, this show is the best show that Marvel has ever made.
1: (laughs) No, but I do think it's really cool the way that they're introducing John Walker and using the comparisons between him and Steve Rogers to... The comparisons of, you know, American ideals and what America was when, you know, in the 40s when Steve Rogers was chosen and what American ideals are now or, you know, perceived to be or whatever. And what America's image is now when John Walker was was chosen to be Captain America. I think that's kind of a cool juxtaposition and commentary, I guess. Most of all, I am loving... Just watching Baron Zemo be
0: Baron Zemo. Zemo is 100% the best part of the show for me. Mm-hmm. That That is an interesting way to think about the John Walker thing. To me, he has just been clearly the worst choice to be Captain America. Like, that's what it's felt like, is like, here's this guy that they made Captain America, and he's going to show you the whole time every single way he's the worst person to be Captain America right Well, now.
1: no, because it's, it's... Okay, you look back in the 30s and 40s, and... You know, America had been around for, uh, yes, 200, 250 years. But people would prop up the American ideal ideals. And we had to live up to being an American in the United States of America. We had to live up to the expectation and to the ideals that were expected of us. And that's very much how Steve Rogers was, you know, was when he was first chosen. I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Fast forward to now where the mentality is, I am America. I'm going to go all around the world and fix everybody else's country because I'm America and I'm the most powerful thing there is. So you'll respect me because of what my name is and where I'm from is very much the way John Walker is is approaching being Captain America. You know, screaming in the guy's face, don't you know who I am? Yeah. And him expecting just wearing, carrying the shield and wearing the uniform to command respect where Steve Rogers understood that you got to make the uniform. The uniform doesn't make you. And like I said, I think that's a really
0: cool commentary. I mean, also Steve Rogers was hotter, but we haven't seen John Walker with a full beard yet. Oh, okay. Dude, that shot of him with the bloody shield. Yes. It was cool. It was
1: such a cool shot.
0: I do want to make a quick correction that depending on where you say America was born, if you go with the, declaration of independence being signed it would have been 150 years that steve rogers became captain america it took me a while to do the math
1: yes i'm sorry
0: yes (laughs) anyway zemo let's talk about can can we talk about zemo for a second so we
1: talked a little bit about how uh agatha may be the loki of phase four right i think zemo is going to be the loki of phase four
0: I want to say I would rather it be Agatha because I love Zemo. Like, I love the actor and stuff. Mm-hmm. But seeing him be more fun, I guess you could say, like, ruins the Civil War version we saw a little bit. Withhold judgment till the end. I will. Because I
1: feel like it's all going to be an act. Everything he does is manipulating the situation to his advantage.
0: He doesn't even have to try that hard. They pretty much just let him be alone and do whatever he wants <laughs> all the time. I just. They're like, I'm never going to. Like, literally, Sam was like, We can't trust this guy. And Zemo was like, We have to go to this place. And he's like, Lead the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What happened? And then when they were out looking for um, the flag smashers leader, what's her name?
1: Carly Morgenthau.
0: I just needed Carly, but good work. <laughs> when well, they were out looking for Carly.
1: In the comics, there's a villain named Flag Smasher, and his name is Carl Morgenthau. So they just gender swapped and made, instead of a villain, it's a terrorist slash revolutionary organization.
0: So when they were looking for her initially, and it's Sam, Bucky, and Zemo, and they're like, all right, I'm going to go over here. All right, I'm going to go over here. I'm like, they just left Zemo alone mm-hmm. to walk around the city and do what he could just leave. I mean, he could just leave. I I don't know. They have some weird choices that they're making over here. But
1: they put it together so well that like John Walker is the one who wants to cuff him and and you know, take him in, which is really what you probably should do. But John Walker's such a piece of shit that you just disagree with him. <laughs>
0: But, you know, I am still intrigued, like, I'm still, there's two episodes left, it's not like I'm gonna sit here and be like, oh, this is stupid, I'm gonna stop watching it. Um, I just feel like what's weird coming off of WandaVision, where WandaVision felt so, like, tight, like, I feel like the end the, uh, end of it, I felt like it wavered a little bit, I don't think you felt that same way, but like... I felt like everything just worked so well and was written so well. And then going into this, even knowing that it was going to be a more traditional action show, I feel like the writing has been just a little weaker than I expected it to be with how much they're like repeating themselves and stuff. Yeah,
1: and and there's definitely an aspect of that. I keep viewing it through the lens of it's a big, giant, long movie. So yeah. what we did was, you know, over the course of the past four weeks, we've watched the first two acts of a movie. So yeah. these next two episodes are
0: the climax, you know. They're going to be the action-packed things. Right.
1: So I think the really cool stuff is is coming in the next episode. Last thing. Go ahead. Any guesses on who the Power Broker is?
0: Let me ask you this before I answer. Is the Power Broker a comic like villain or anything or he
1: is but there's no way that they're gonna like in the comics it's just a guy right like you
0: it, think it's gonna be a reveal of who yes. is. the power broker is sharon carter i think
1: that's what they're setting it up
0: as it is sharon carter and i don't have any more aaron carter <laughs> jokes so i don't know i don't know what to say about it
1: i think <laughs> they're setting it up setting it up for it to be sharon carter it could possibly be zemo Uh, but I think it's going to be Sharon Carter and I think it she's going to be like deep undercover or something because they're not going to make her a bad guy. And it's going to be,
0: who knows But the action sequences are awesome. Yes. I agree that the action sequences are awesome and Hey, we'll see what, what happens next. I think we can move on to talking about something that has no connection to Marvel in any way, except Tom Holland, maybe
1: (laughs) except anything else. no, no. That's the only connection.
0: Well, and I I believe that Ciara Bravo <laughs> was in one episode of Agents of Shield.
1: Hmm. Anything. And else? the directors oh. did uh, the biggest oh. movies. Oh. In, okay.
0: In the Marvel movie. Anyway, what are we talking about right now? We are talking about Cherry.
1: Ah, uh, yes, Cherry, a movie that we
0: watched. An Apple Plus yep, movie. A the fruit theme going. Directed here. by. Joe and Anthony Russo, who did... Community. <laughs> they did do Community. And also Captain America, Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame, just a few like indie kind of movies that didn't get much traction, and so now they're trying to move on to, to this over here, Cherry. It's written by Jessica Goldberg and Angela russo Ostat, which... Angela, I learned, is Joe and Anthony Russo's sister when I was looking that up. And it's starring Tom Holland, Ciara, Bravo, and it's mostly them. There are others as well. You know, before we get into it completely, what was your favorite part of the movie, Matt?
1: I liked the uh, ice cream sundae scene where where he jumped on top of the ice cream sundae.
0: He was the cherry at the top. Yes, yes and um so. I, I
1: really enjoyed the um uh, his appearance on the slot machine
0: he was the cherry on the slot machine yeah,
1: correct and um it was kind of a, a i guess a play <laughs> on the rhyme he was uh, a ben and jerry's flavor jerry cherry um it was cherry Garcia. Garcia. mm mm-hmm. mhm yes yeah. yeah 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 yes right
0: so you didn't watch the movie
1: <laughs> i didn't watch the movie no
0: okay well it has been a
1: crazy (laughs) hectic week okay well Um, before all the uh
0: (laughs) excuses start pouring out of him that brings us to a way of discussing this movie in a way that we have never discussed a movie before that should be interesting i have seen cherry matt has not seen cherry how will this work you're gonna find out with us now (laughs) Have you seen like the trailer for the movie or anything like that? Yes,
1: I I know loosely what it's about. I guess Tom Holland is a um young soldier who um comes back home after being away at war. There's some drug use, there's a bank robbery. Am I am I in the
0: That's ballpark? what that's everything you know about the movie?
1: <laughs> Pretty much. And, okay. and-, and I know it's like about his relationship with whoever you know, I don't know if it's a sister or a girlfriend or you know, whatever, but
0: or both. You don't know. <laughs> you, you know, have about as much of a as a trailer would tell you. It was told in chapters, actually, which I wasn't really expecting, but it's pretty much each part, each chapter is it feels like very separate from the others and it's supposed to come together to make a whole piece. And so you have the beginning of the movie that is when he's in college and meets his love. So not his sister. It is it is a girlfriend (laughs) and he he meets her and kind of they kind of fall in love with each other. And the second part of the movie is him going to Iraq and going into the army. Then he comes home and that's the next part of the movie. And you see him suffering a lot from PTSD. And then the next part is him getting into heroin. And then his girlfriend, or wife actually at this point, also getting into heroin with him. Then the next part, they get in deep with the heroin and he starts robbing banks to be able to get more heroin. Right. And then lastly, the last part is him in prison for robbing the banks and doing the heroin.
1: Jesus. Real it's, upper of a movie.
0: It's a comedy, it's a musical. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It is very um very much a drama and for the most part the movie dealt with obviously a lot of really like intense themes, but it was actually I learned it was based on a book also called Cherry. The movie's based on that book. And the book was, like, auto-fiction, it's apparently the genre, where it's autobiographical in some senses, but some of it's also fictionalized, so it's not all real. It's just that he, (laughs) the, the like, love story aspect of it, that was fake.
1: No one loved him.
0: (laughs) Tom Holland's character doesn't actually have a name in the movie. I learned from the credits that his name is Cherry. They just call him Cherry, I guess. But no one one calls him that. He just is unnamed the whole time. And he meets Emily in college. And they, like, fall in love. But she has kind of some history. Like, some, like, issues with, like, love and, you know, her family and stuff like that. And so she eventually just says, I actually, I'm going to go to school in Montreal. And we're going to break up. And that like he gets you know heartbroken and just goes and joins the army and that's and when just he tells them the army right i'm gonna i want to go to the army and when he makes that decision then he ends up getting back with her and she says she tells him like i'm not actually going to montreal i just got scared pretty much and i'm and it was actually an interesting way of trying to do something more complex than just we had love in first sight but th- that's another example of just somewhere maybe it didn't really work but he goes to the army but they get married before he goes seems like then that's they- kind of a
1: like from a writing standpoint that's kind of a yeah, we need a way to get him to the army which so what like you
0: I, I I I have trouble knowing like what I should tell you about what I think. Oh, I'm not worried
1: about spoiling it or anything.
0: I I know I know, but like I don't know. I guess I'll just I guess I'll just tell you. I didn't think the movie was very good. <laughs> it was that good? <laughs> and it's mostly the issue with the love story, but for me. So, kind of jumping ahead in a way, the love story just didn't work for me and since that was the overarching like major part of the plot Mm -hmm. that to me meant the movie fell flat and what it was is that everything that happens to the characters having to go to the military suffering from the ptsd uh getting addicted to drugs like all of it felt more like a conflict in their relationship instead of like a real experience that they were having and so it, it like made everything feel like more like a dramatic like fake movie thing that's just to cause conflict in the love story and less like this is real experiences of a person that you're watching
1: it almost kind of downplays the actual in a way issue, you know o- opioid use and and um and and ptsd among soldiers and string it, like, of makes bank it robberies more shallow <laughs> yeah
0: and it, right you add that to the point that Emily's character kind of comes across as this like male fantasy of this beautiful girl that'll never leave you no matter what you do. Right. It is always going to be there for you that that part just feels like such a fantasy that it makes the whole rest of everything happen, feel like a fantasy. And there, there just wasn't enough emotional depth to the characters. So like I said, everything came across as kind of just over dramatic and not real.
1: I got you. So everything everything that happened was a roadblock in their relationship and you really didn't care about their relationship.
0: <laughs> in a way. Yeah, and it's and it's mostly because other than Tom Holland's character, every other character was very much like an archetype and just wasn't like super deep or interesting mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so the thing that the movie did that was cool to watch is that the visuals were incredible like the the cinematography was like next level and the sound design was so good one one kind of like example to let you know is when he goes to basic training Um, after he joins the army and it goes into that the aspect ratio changes so it goes to 4-3 instead of being like Mm -hmm. widescreen it actually may not have been 4-3 exactly but it you know came in and got square for the whole basic training part Mm -hmm. and the basic training part I actually read the cinematographer saying that he wanted to shoot it like that so that you could feel the claustrophobia it almost created like a claustrophobic yeah look to it Mm -hmm. and the directors wanted it to almost have an absurdity to the whole uh, basic training part Mm -hmm. and so he also chose they chose to shoot it just on one type of lens just a wide lens and the cinematographer was saying that makes you get all up close to the characters and kind of that wideness makes things look longer and it kind of gives that absurdity and that claustrophobia and I don't know. It just changes the whole visual style of the movie when he goes to basic training. Mm -hmm. And so he goes through this, you know, it, it just really hammers home this, what feels like this abuse of like the people that are going into the army. Like, you know, the drill sergeant is just screaming at them and humiliating them. And, you know, all that stuff that you've probably seen before in other movies is kind of in this. And then, the end of that chapter goes into the next one where he's actually in Iraq mm-hmm. and the the screen widens and you're back to like the normal look of the movie and it he wanted to be a medic and so it puts you into one of his first big moments as a medic where he's in an actual battle and has to like help someone fit their guts back into their right. stomach and all that and Kristen made a really good point because she was working <laughs> but I was watching it in the living room where her desk is set up. So she was looking over, but mostly listening. And this was a really good point. She pointed out with how the sound design was that she said, this is the, this movie is the first time I noticed why basic training might be the way that it is. And it's because the sound design and basic training was just this constant yelling and like, you don't know what you're doing, like you get down, you're going to die, you're going to get everyone killed and like, you know, pushing them around. It's so frantic and hectic and you have to figure out what to do mm-hmm. and get your your training done while that's going on. And that kind of transitioned into him in a battle where everyone's yelling at each other where they need to go and bullets right. are flying by. And, and it kind of gave you that idea of, oh, this is what they're replicating. Right. And you could hear it in the sound design. And so this whole first part of the movie, where it was like him going to basic training and going to war, that part was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It it looked good. It sounded good. It was intense. It was hard to watch. Um, but I think that the reason that whole first half of the movie is so good is because you haven't seen yet that they're not going to do more than they are. Like, in a way. Like, you, you haven't figured out yet that it is... As shallow as it seems. Oh, I
1: got you. You expect that more is going to come, right?
0: Yes. Pretty much from there, he goes home and it shows how at home he just has terrible PTSD and and just has a lot of trouble adjusting. And, you know, they're supposed to be moving into their first home and all this stuff, but he just keeps having, you know, violent dreams and he gets can't focus on anything he's he's kind of addicted to like um i wish i could remember <laughs> the names of drugs i'm so bad at i'm so like bad at killers? drugs he was yeah he he already kind of had an addiction like to painkillers before going into the military something like that and so he he like was Percus doing hat. that and then he went to the doctor because it was like his his wife finally said like you need to get figured out a leave and (laughs) okay Matt. yeah he's just downing tylenol (laughs) but he goes and and gets diagnosed with oh yeah you have ptsd and he's like yeah i figured and the doctor says have you ever heard of oxycontin and so they just prescribe him more you know and then he kind of then just starts getting worse and worse and his wife get reaches this breaking point And she had also, you get the sense that she also did some drugs, but, Mm -hmm. like, you never really saw it much. She started taking his Oxycontin and then cut to the next chapter, their dope life. That's I think it was called Our Dope Life was that chapter, and it was them just doing heroin. (laughs) And that was kind of it, you know? They were just doing heroin. And I guess this is where I would say that it felt like... Kind of like I said, there's a lot of serious topics that are dealt with in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the horror of war, the way we ignore what veterans experienced, the pain and struggle of addiction. And these are heavy topics that deserve to be discussed and, and not ignored. And obviously, I haven't experienced any of that and neither of the filmmakers. And I actually looked up and I read an interview with um, Anthony Russo from a website that was like the military dot or org or something where they interviewed him about like, how did you get such an authentic look at like basic training and right. like war? And he said that they did extensive research in part. They interviewed people that suffer from PTSD and people that have a, a loved one that experiences PTSD and, mm-hmm. I think that through their research, they were able to show scenes of war and PTSD in a way that isn't always shown. Um, and people find movies like, like Cherry, you know, to be upsetting because they're upsetting. Like, these topics are upsetting. Right. It's and, supposed to be. Right. And so I don't think that's really a negative to the movie. But all of that to say that while they did their research, it, because it was so shallow... Like I wanted to kind of explain all that stuff about how he went to war, the things he saw and everything. It just came across as overdramatic, so like I was saying, that whole part leading up and going into the war and stuff was pretty interesting. Once you get to this dope life part, that's where you realize it's kind of just showing them him go through all these traumatic things and it's showing them in like an accurate way, mm-hmm. but without that emotional depth that something like requiem for a dream has it falls flat because you know you've seen requiem for a dream right
1: unfortunately
0: (laughs) that shows four people's lives just spiraling downwards while they're chasing like their dreams and all of them have to do with with drugs and addiction but the thing that makes something like requiem for a dream at least in my opinion work right is that you have that emotional backdrop of they just want to you know achieve their dreams. You can relate to them in some way. Yes, exactly. And you can relate to I understand what it's like to feel like I want to go as far as I can to get what I want. And I've never done drugs, but I you just can follow it. You get what's happening and it makes it that much worse when it all falls apart mm-hmm. and fails.
1: And you feel like you didn't really have that you couldn't really no. relate to cherry in the same way
0: exactly exactly okay and so
1: wh- what 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 where my mind keeps popping to as you're talking is the end cuz like all that can be true and the end can kind of, has the ability to save it so is it i got addicted to heroin and i robbed a bunch of banks and i went to jail in the end or is there some sort of redemption or death that's a or, really good know, question is there is there something at the that's, end
0: that is a really good question because it actually is you're 100 percent right that a movie what i kept saying to Kristen was this movie's been pretty brutal to watch what how are they going to end this like what where are they going with this and more importantly i think what are they trying to say right with all of this right and
1: why why did they make the movie
0: right and so he long story short he like because he does heroin he gets involved with people that sell heroin and things like that and because he's addicted to heroin he sees an opportunity to get a bunch of heroin and accidentally quote-unquote steals from like a really scary person Mm -hmm. and so he needs to be able to get the money that pays for all those drugs that he just stole pretty much and so he goes and decides i'm gonna rob a bank and that's kind of how it starts is he he robs the bank it's pretty simple for him he just goes in tells them i have a gun give me money they give him money he leaves and he keeps some money for himself and gives the rest and acts like oh here's all the money i stole And so then he realizes, oh, not only did that get me out of that predicament, but also it just made it so much easier for me to get more heroin. And so when I tell you that this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long and half the movie is the drug part of it, Mm -hmm. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also what kind of makes the second half of the movie just so slow. So anyway, he robs all these banks. It just, you know, he just spirals. Like, how it works like you want more heroin so you go to get more money and then that buys you more heroin but then it just makes you need more heroin and like it just you know they do show that kind of desperation that builds up and builds Mm -hmm. up and he ends up that it all kind of reaches a breaking point his wife almost overdoses which honestly ends up kind of not mattering which is another issue with the movie Mm -hmm. and all this stuff he ends up getting arrested by almost choosing to get arrested he like does one last bank heist for this scary person and then just goes out in the middle of public and like shoots a gun in the air so that the cops get called and shoots up one last time and gets arrested and then it goes into the epilogue which is him growing old in jail he got sentenced to like 11 years or something like that and it's him kind of through this musical montage showing him getting older and older, which really just means Tom Holland has a mustache now. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't lived until you've seen Tom Holland with a mustache. Okay. I need you to know. (laughs) So anyway, the end of the movie is he gets released for, you know, good behavior. He gets parole and gets to leave Mm -hmm. and his wife picks him up and they smile at each other at the end. And so, in the end, nothing mattered, and he still had his girl that'll stay with him through anything, and they're presumably both clean and will just go on and be good. (laughs) Any comments on that?
1: I mean, but there was no... It doesn't seem like they focused much for, for as much as he was the focus of the entire movie. It doesn't seem like there's a point, other than these are problems.
0: That's exactly right. And that's exactly how I have felt. And honestly, what's interesting (laughs) about the whole thing is that when you're watching it, because of how stylish it is, Mm -hmm. you almost don't notice what a slog it is to get through. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of distracted in a way, like, Maybe it's like better than I think it is. And maybe they are driving towards something because it's pretty and ending in that way where it felt almost weirdly like a happy ending. I feel like the movie had already not been doing a good enough job at giving depth to these characters and these situations. And then it just kind of felt like a weird cop out at the end to just be like, and everything was okay.
1: I talk about this with people a lot, like I work in retail, Mm -hmm. customers will come up and just complain and I will begin to answer and offer some sort of solution and they interrupt me and they just complain and complain and complain and nothing I say is going to change anything and I'm just an idiot and you know, we don't know what we're doing and they leave and my comment is always, you know, so many people just want to complain. They don't want a solution. They just want to complain. They don't want to make anything better. They just want to point out what you're doing wrong. It right. sounds like this movie is that person of movies.
0: <laughs> Vaguely, like, cause, cause that's like, the hey, thing. Hey, this is an
1: issue. Yes. Uh, okay. What about that? I. It's an issue. Yeah, that's right. Got, got any? solutions got any opinions
0: <laughs> nah it, that's bad <laughs> exactly and and that was during the movie i was already kind of having those questions pop up because it had that whole intense like um like war everything and he says <laughs> i didn't even tell you that there's a voiceover where he talks to you he talks to the audience." And in the beginning of the movie, it's full-on fourth wall break. Tom Holland looks directly at you and talks to you. That just stops happening halfway through the movie, and they <laughs> never do it again. <laughs> but at one point after the war thing, he says, so yeah, don't join the army. That's like one of the ending phrases of the ar- the war part of it. And I was like, well, clearly they're very anti-military in this movie. And I was like... <laughs> But I don't know why. Like, I understand that it's horrific what happens over there. And that it seems as though we don't give enough credit to the veterans coming back, what they've lived through.
1: Yeah, but I feel like the solution why? is not, don't join the army. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> What's... That's a very good example of like what they were showing. And so it's like, right. another thing is... Kristen and I were talking about how you know we think of Requiem for a Dream because of the comparison with the heroin and drug use and addiction mm-hmm. and it got Kristen thinking like did Darren Aronofsky have experience with that like was he a drug addict in any way we look it up no but the writer of Requiem for a Dream was right and so obviously he had a lot more to say about that right when he wrote the movie which is not to say you have to have experienced this thing to be able to write a movie about it, but you at least have to have something to say about it.
1: Well, and it's an issue both. I don't know that you could tackle, really tackle PTSD and the opioid crisis <laughs> in one movie. In two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But that's, it's, it's such, it's such a, complex thing to yeah. to try and, I don't know, make a movie about and really say something about. I don't know. It, it seems like they just kind of bit off a little bit more than they could chew.
0: I was looking at Letterboxd and I love Letterboxd for their, like their user reviews because I feel like their user reviews are just like so much better than any other movie app movie reviewing app that there is sometimes it's because people are hilarious on there and sometimes it's because it's just a really well thought out thing or both but I was looking at the reviews and I was like this is the one that I want to tell Matt to because I felt like it said everything I've been trying to say to you but way better and more concise okay and it's from uh, a guy named Demi Adijuibe and he says The Russos keep saying this movie is about the opioid epidemic, and like, not really. It involves opioid addiction. But there's a whole hour of this movie that tackles masculinity and American imperialism in a much more suggestive way, before abandoning that and using the last half to just kind of go, damn, this guy's life is crazy, huh? (laughs) It's such a flashy and stylish film that feels designed to keep your attention and move with visual flair, and of course that's what the directors of the biggest popular films of the decade would want to make, and I do not say that as an insult, but at a certain point the flashiness felt tiring to me, just an endless bag of visual tricks to show off what they were capable of with very little consistency. Keeps it from being a slog to watch, though. (laughs) And... I just felt like that was a really good way of saying it, that
1: they're really good at what they do, but
0: not story wise or like message wise. It definitely looks great. But at the same time he did point out it was also inconsistent. Just like how I said, there was like a breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience thing. And then that just went away. And I think that they had, they made a choice to have different style choices in each chapter mm-hmm. of the movie, but it wasn't different enough for me to be able to tell. Okay. Like, I don't know if that's what they were going for. Um, but, yeah, I just I just made this sound like a horrible movie. Mm. <laughs> but I, okay. I, I think it looks so good, you know? So... I'm on the receiving end of this
1: what would you you rate it
0: so we're about to go into how the rating system works but I would rate this one two stars
1: Two. would you recommend it
0: I would not I think that like I said upsetting movies are fine I'm going to say it five stars (laughs) Matt's like I'm telling you guys that ice cream Sunday scene <laughs> Is Oscar winning material Speaking of which I don't think he's going to win an Oscar Tom Holland was great in yeah. the movie He was so good He's a really movie. good actor He is Someone else said something on Letterboxd that is true though He looks like a teenager Like, And yeah. it's not his yeah. fault He just looks And so that was part of why the mustache just <laughs> killed me He
1: looked like he was just trying to buy alcohol <laughs>
0: Yes. And then it cut to his wife, and she looked like they didn't even try to age her at all.
1: She also had a mustache. Good God.
0: That would, have been, that would have been a five-star movie. If it just, at the end, it just cut to her and she had a mustache. That's all I would have wanted. Oh, man. So you should watch it, and then we'll do another episode where you tell me about Cherry.
1: <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear that. <laughs>
0: If you want to watch an upsetting movie about drug addiction, watch Requiem for a Dream because it's just a much better movie. Also, and Requiem for a
1: Dream is a great movie. Don't watch yes. it; you're gonna. It's very depressing. You're gonna be As really upset when it ends.
0: That has seen that movie five or six times. <laughs> you should watch it at least wow. once. So, upsetting. all right. Like I came, I just said that that movie was two stars after pretty much explaining what sounded like probably a zero star movie, which I didn't mean for it to be so down, but also maybe it wasn't. Maybe I didn't even, I wasn't even that bad on it, but I want, we've wanted to kind of explain how the rating system works a little bit, like where we get it from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we should. And I think this is also a good movie to, to explain it with. Cause you brought up what you felt was kind of a flaw in the, in the system, which I, totally get and maybe it needs to be revised after this (laughs) but we rate the movies on seven things pretty much now we're trying to get five stars that's like what we're basing it all off of is five so the best you can get is five the worst you can get is zero I guess yeah but on letterbox it doesn't let you rate a movie zero so technically the lowest you can give is like half a star But we rate, out of five stars, seven different things. Direction, acting, writing, plot, editing, cinematography, and sound. And so you look at the movie, and you rate each of those things out of five stars. And then once you do that, you add them all together, divide it by seven, average it out. That gives you your star rating. I came up with this a while ago just because those are the things I was mostly interested in in a movie. Some people might point out you're missing so many things that go into a movie. <laughs> but these are the things I'm personally mostly interested in. Now, what was the thing that you had that you said was a flaw like last time, last episode?
1: Um, well, it was it was pertaining to Tenet. and And... Right. Uh... Under the sound category, I thought that the sound, like the sound levels, the background noise was like way too loud in a lot of different parts and that was all kind of messy. Like the sound mixing was not great, um, but the score was awesome. Right. So what I did was (laughs) give each of those a rating out of five and then divide it by two and that's what sound got.
0: Right, which maybe that, you know, requires us to add score as one of the things and then divide it by eight instead of seven. Um and, and I totally get that. How do you rate the directing of a movie? Because for me it's usually just how good everything else is, in a way. Because the director's involved with kind of creating the vision for the movie, the style of the movie some might call it, but they're supposed to be involved in the performances of the actors the editing the cinematography so like how would other people rate that i'm actually interested before i even say what do you think of when you think of rating a direct a directing of a movie
1: how well do i understand character and story elements that are not explained to me mm-hmm. by the that's
0: a good that's a good one by the character
1: you know what i mean the the scene that's always the example that i always go to that you know we studied you know in film school and stuff was um the opening scene in rear window mm-hmm. where it was just a shot that you know panned across uh james stewart's apartment right and all these things that it was showing by the time it, the camera got to jimmy stewart you knew pretty much who he was and what he was all about right without saying a word just by seeing kind of the way that, you know, everything that you know made up his apartment. And I thought that that was really smart because what a lesser director could have done is show you the couple of days before and shown Jimmy Stewart interacting with people and, you know, kind of telling the audience, hey, this yeah. is the kind of guy he is.
0: Oh, I, I like photography. Right.
1: Or But he took... 30 seconds or a minute or however long that that stretch of scene was and you knew everything you needed to know in one shot
0: Right, and so you know some people might say Oh, is that cinematography? but that's a good example because the cinematographer definitely depending on the director has a lot of creative input but the idea is I want to Show who this character is through his apartment and the cinematographer can figure out how to film that but that's the director's vision like I want you to see this through the apartment and another thing that you can look at with directing is you know not just the performances of the actors but the actual blocking like where they're standing in the scene and where they move and sit down and stuff like that does that feel natural does the everything happening in the background feel natural because like you can have something happening in the background that's super distracting and you're not even paying attention to what's happening with the Mm -hmm. characters because it's terribly framed and blocked i would say like all of that you think of all of that when you're thinking of directing and then the other thing is like you said how well do i understand everything i think that goes along with like the consistency of everything because if you imagine a movie is shot all out of order You have to be able to then take it, and put it in order, and the arc of the story works, (laughs) it makes sense, and is a consistent pace, and, you know, there's emotional baselines that go up and down and stuff, so, yeah. There's a lot that goes into the directing one, and that is, that's something that, for Cherry, I initially was thinking, well, should I rate this kinda high? Because the visual style of everything was awesome. The performances were awesome. And, you know, there were great choices with the sound design and everything. But then it came down to the fact that they didn't tell me anything, like, substantial. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was flashy, but there was no depth to any of it. And then the style was just not consistent throughout. So while the cinematography and the sound are going to get good ratings, that direction rating was way low. And I think acting is self-explanatory. <laughs> was it good acting or not?
1: Right. How, how much did I believe that this character is this
0: character? Right. Exactly. And, you know, you can see that by, uh, you know, watching, I was going to say Nicolas Cage in any movie. <laughs> Because, hey, sometimes it's going to be good, and sometimes it's going to be like, is he even a human being?
1: (laughs) I always go back to something Kevin Smith uh, said about Nicolas Cage one time, and it's so true. He swings for the fences every time. Yes. (laughs) And sometimes it's a home run, and sometimes it's a flailing strikeout. But he goes for it, and he makes choices that only Nicolas Cage would make.
0: And he commits to it.
1: Yeah. And like I said, yep. sometimes
0: it's awesome. And then sometimes it's...
1: Not the bees!
0: <laughs> hey, man. He didn't want the bees. But the the one that I like a lot is that we have writing and plot separate. And that's because something like Tenet really works for this, in my opinion. <laughs> The plot is, like, the story. It's, like, what happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. And the writing is how it's told to you, pretty much. Right?
1: Story versus screenplay.
0: And so Tenet, the the plot, to me, was so cool. But the writing was atrocious. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so bad. Like, so much exposition to give us that awesome plot. You know, sometimes you just gotta... You gotta give something up to get something good, I guess. I'm right. <laughs> oh, man. And editing is an important one to have on there because, you know, some people say that the movie is written three times when the screenplay's written, when the director imparts their vision on it, and then when the editor cuts the film. And the editor is what takes a film from being the suicide squad and
1: makes it the suicide squad trailer
0: makes it the yeah it it makes it the suicide (laughs) squad trailer that's a good one (laughs) that's actually a really good point you couldn't even like tell what was happening scene to scene it was like it was a different movie every time because they had the the, the
1: trailers were so good that they had the company that edited the trailers just edit the movie (laughs) and that's not what they do they edit trailers
0: They're like, you know that we just edit little parts, right? And they're like, I don't care. I want that the whole movie. (laughs) Cinematography, I think, is pretty straightforward. Just like acting. Maybe it's not, but it's just, you know, what the movie looks like Mm -hmm. and what is seen in the shot. Actually, that could go back to, like, how I was talking about directing. Is there, like, distracting things happening in the shot that they should have not put in the shot? If you want a master class in incredible cinematography just watch blade runner 2049 because it is the best looking movie i've ever seen i was
1: gonna say any david fincher movie
0: that's true as well and then sound is the one that i guess we're gonna have to work on because maybe we should add score but usually i think of sound just like literally the sound design Mm -hmm. like sound effects can i hear the well that's all you
1: base it it on then we definitely need a uh i do base it with score, score
0: but you know what? We're at, I'm adding score right now. Oh shit. You should add it also. Our thing our categories just changed cuz now score is on there. There's now eight things. I I hope everyone at home is keeping track. Yeah, there are now down. eight things. So yeah, so that's pretty much we add that all up and then here's the important part. You add up all of them and average it out and you look at that total that you're given. <laughs> And you see what your gut tells you when you see that total. <laughs> if you look at it and you just watched Cherry and you added it all up and it said three and a half stars, something was wrong somewhere. And so now use your gut. <laughs> and so after some time thinking about it and writing down my thoughts and everything, I took I took a bunch of a bunch of halves off of that and it got two stars. <laughs> and that's the definitive let's run that back rating. That's what it's going to be on our letterbox because you don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) So that was all of that. I feel like that was a really interesting episode. Whether it was good or bad, I don't know, but it was interesting, okay? And it happened in two parts because the power went out in the middle of it. Thank you for listening to Let's Run That Back. You can check out Let's Run That Back on Instagram. Our website's letsrunthatback.com and there's a contact section that tells you our email and everything. And I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers that talk about movies as if our opinions matter. You have a good day.